0: Revelation chapters 2 and 3 contain seven letters written by Jesus to seven first-century churches located along the western coast of modern Turkey. The angel of the Lord said to John, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Some churches received words of praise and commendation while Jesus sternly rebuked others. Still others received something akin to, you're doing a good job, but... The letters serve as a reminder that the church in every generation must understand her role in the world and in God's eternal plan through the lens of Bible prophecy. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now.
1: If you received a personal letter from god what do you think it would say hello brian davis here thanks for joining us for this tuesday edition of something good with dr ron jones in revelation chapters 2 and 3 the angel of the lord tells the apostle john to write letters to seven churches these were actual first century churches each located in what is now modern turkey And even now, 2,000 years later, these letters hold special significance for you and me. Today's message is straight ahead. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org and listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series based on the book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, the last days of planet Earth, and the return of Jesus Christ. Here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Letters from Heaven.
0: Uh, For some people, it's really, really hard to find the right church, and there's a reason for that today and in any generations, because there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect churches, there's only a perfect Savior, and uh, that Savior who died on the cross for us For his church is perfecting his church. We'll never get there until we see him face to face in heaven, but uh, that's why it's hard to find a good church. Uh, The church is defined by more than just its building, we know that, and by more than just an organizational structure, although buildings and organizational structures are certainly a part of church life as we understand it. Uh, The real church, the true church of Jesus Christ, is defined by what she believes, the true church is an organism, not an organization. It's, it's the body of Christ. It's, it's made up of those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe certain things about Jesus. And as his followers, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't just go to church. Like it's an event we, you know, check off once a week. Oh, I went to church. That, that's part of what we do. We gather for worship. But more than that, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are the church. 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year, whenever we gather in a place like this and to wherever we scatter across our great city and across the country and around the world. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Now, the church is a New Testament thing. You you will read in vain the Old Testament and try to find some reference to the church. It's not there. Uh, It was something that was concealed in Old Testament times, and the first time we hear anything about this thing called the church, it came from the words or from the lips of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 when He said to His disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first time the disciples, us, anybody heard anything about the church. And the word that He used there is the word "ecclesia." Uh, The church is the ecclesia of God. Ecclesia literally means the called out ones. So the true church of Jesus Christ, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have placed their faith and trust in him, are the called out ones of God who are on mission for Jesus. That's the church. Now in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we have seven letters from heaven, seven pieces of correspondence that the angel of the Lord gave to John, the exile on Patmos, uh, they came from the heart and from the, the lips of Jesus as he dictated these letters to seven actual churches that existed 2,000 years ago, and he names them. He says, uh, write, what write down what you're receiving, John. Write this vision down, and, and the first audience to which these messages came, this book of Revelation came… We're to seven actual churches in the first century. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Those may not be familiar names of cities to you and me, but they were were familiar places in the first century. And uh, you could even go to that part of the world today, which is modern Turkey, the western coast of Turkey, and you could travel to these places. You won't find active churches there, though. Don't be disturbed by the fact that you, what you'll find are ruins and rubble and probably a mosque right on top of where that church used to be, because that's the way the Muslim world today claims territory. Okay? They go to every one of these places, and either right on the location or next to it, they will place a mosque. Turkey today is a, is a Muslim country. The fact that these letters are found in the book of Revelation and in the context of a book all about future prophetic events, it reminds us that the church in every generation has to understand her role in the world and in God's eternal plan, especially through the lens of Bible prophecy. So this is not an interruption to the flow of prophetic thought. No, this is, this is important for us to understand God's plan and His purpose as it flows through His church, His, His chosen entity, the bride of Christ through which the gospel comes to a lost world today. And so with that in mind, uh, many scholars have wondered, why seven churches and why these seven churches? Well, seven is the number of completion or perfection in the Bible. And for that reason, it suggests to some people that these seven churches kind of represent the kinds of churches Uh, good and bad, that you'll find in any generation at any time throughout church history. That's certainly one way to look at it. Uh, Other Bible teachers and scholars look at these seven churches in the context of Revelation and say that these seven churches uh, represent the larger flow of church history from the birth of the church 2,000 years ago up to the end of the age. And each of the seven churches kind of represents a different time period and a different stage in church history if that is the way to understand these seven churches and kind of uh, what they represent here, then the last stage in church history, just before the end of the age, is the Laodicean church. That's number seven. And if we are in the final days of the last days leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and to the end of the age, then the Laodicean church best describes the church Age that we're living in today, and it's not a good assessment. Jesus said to the church of Laodicea 2,000 years ago, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were. I wish that you were either this or that toward me, but you are lukewarm, he says, and I want to spit you out of my mouth. (laughs) That's a chilling appraisal for God's people 2,000 years ago, and it's a chilling appraisal for God's people in the church at the end of the age just prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's let's take a look at four of the seven today. We'll we'll look at the remaining three next week, but I'm going to give you kind of a synopsis of each one of these letters, and then we'll wrap it up with some lessons learned. The first letter goes to a church in the city of Ephesus, and I call this one the Loveless Church. Uh, Jesus said in um, Revelation chapter 2, Beginning in verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Before we get to the specifics of that, let me just tell you a little bit about this. Great church in a great city called Ephesus. You can travel there today, and the ruins at Ephesus are fabulous to see if you're into archaeology and you know ancient ruins and studies like that. Ephesus was a prominent city back in its day. It was part of the Roman Empire, a Roman province, we might say. There were 250,000 people in the city of Ephesus 2,000 years ago. That's a large city for back then, and. Uh, there were three roads that converged in the city, making it a a great center of business and commerce, kind of like New York City today. Everybody traveled to Ephesus to do business and to go shopping, and it was just a great place for that. It was also a place that people went to to attend sporting events. The Pan-Ionian Games, which were a precursor to the Olympic Games, were held in the city of Ephesus. And while you were there... If you were so inclined, you could also attend the the Temple of Diana, uh, where they worshiped the god of Artemis. The great temple of of Diana, which historians tell us were two football fields in length, uh, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And so Ephesus, for all of its business and commerce, uh, was also a place of some of the most significant pagan worship that was going on in the world at that time. Ephesus was, a, was also a place where the citizens experienced uh, freedom because the Roman government allowed for the Ephesians to elect democratic leaders, and so they got a little bit of taste of freedom in a place like Ephesus. Well, Christianity came to Ephesus because of the work done by a church planter named Paul. Uh, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, planted a lot of churches gospel-believing churches throughout uh, that part of the world, and he came to Ephesus. He, he spent more time in Ephesus than any other church that he planted. He was there for three years before he handed it off to a young protege named Timothy, who went on to be the pastor. When, when Saul or Paul brought the gospel to the city of Ephesus, it, it was not without controversy because the gospel worked, and many people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and because of that, business profits went down. You ask why? Well, one of the leading industries in Ephesus was the silversmith industry. And the silversmiths would craft by hand these little, these little uh, pagan idols, little Dianas, little gods of Artemis that you could use for, well, personal use and for home use. And they made a lot of money selling these little idols. Well, when people came to faith in Jesus Christ, they turned from idols to the true and living God, and business profits went down. You can read about this in Acts chapter 9, because one of the leaders in the silversmith industry was a guy named Demetrius, and he had had enough had enough of prophets that were down. He gathered together all his other business leaders, and he says, we got to do something about this guy named Paul because he's running us out of business, winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. And a riot ensued, and they ran Paul out of Ephesus, but not before the gospel took root.
1: Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series from the book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, the Last Days of Planet Earth, and the Return of Jesus Christ. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out something new from Dr. Ron Jones that we're calling Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring Ron's Bible teaching ministry. If you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by and check out the sample episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. Seven churches, seven letters, seven specific messages from God Himself. You'll hear about the first two of these messages and the rest of today's message letters from heaven once again here's dr
0: ron jones wouldn't it be wonderful today if a church had that kind of influence in our culture today that it put pagan businesses and and uh immoral businesses out of business and the gospel had such a great influence in the culture that day ephesus the church that was planted there the church at ephesus was a great church You and I would attend a church like this. In fact, Jesus commends this church. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. They were doing good works in the community. In the face of much resistance and persecution, they were patiently enduring. And he says to them, I also see that you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false." Ephesus, the church there, was a place where their orthodoxy was pure. They had a a statement of faith that was well-crafted. They knew their doctrine. They knew it well. They could spot a false teacher a mile away, and they never let him get close to the church. You say, man, that's the kind of place that I want to go to church. In a bustling city like that, a place that knows what they believe and why they believe it. They've dotted their theological I's, crossed their theological T's. But then in verse 4, the mood shifts around a pesky little preposition, but. (laughs) You ever have somebody have a conversation with you? You're doing great things, but. And you know, here it comes. Here it comes. Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You see, Ephesus is the church that fell out of love with God and with people. They forgot first things. Oh, their their orthodoxy was pure. Their theology was pure, but it was cold and loveless. Nobody wants to read your doctrinal statement if it's not delivered in love. And Jesus reminds them, guys, first things first. got to love God and love people. Uh, This is the church that inspired the Righteous Brothers in the 1950s and 60s to write the song, You've Lost That love and Feeling. Come on. There you go. You know the song. No, somebody in Ephesus wrote it, not the Righteous Brothers. You've abandoned the love you had At first, one scholar named Barclay says it may be that the church at Ephesus was so busy heresy hunting that it had lost the atmosphere of brotherly love. It may be that a hard, censorious, critical, fault-finding, stern self-righteousness had banished the spirit of love. You know, you can be so right in your doctrine (laughs) that you chase people away. And there's a balance. I understand that. There's some churches that are all about love. You know, it's the oasis of love here. But, but they don't, they, they, you know, their, their doctrine is so wishy-washy. But the opposite, you know, is a place to run from too. Pure orthodoxy, but cold and loveless. I don't want to be a part of something like that. Put first things first, Jesus says. Love God, love people. You know, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Jesus says, was the first commandment, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesus forgot that. They forgot that. And it was more important for them to write position papers and, and doctrinal statements and, and, and to wordsmith things than it was to simply love people. May that never be true of this place. May we put first things first, to love God, love people, uh, while we also make sure that we're rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's Ephesus, the loveless church. You'll never hear the righteous brothers again without thinking about Ephesus, will you? (laughs) The next one went to a a church in a city called Smyrna. I call Smyrna the persecuted church. And here's why. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Jesus says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, he says, and I will give you the crown of life. Wow, what's that all about? Well, for centuries, really from the early days of the early church, followers of Jesus Christ have experienced persecution, have they not? The first martyr of the church we read about in the early chapters of the book of Acts, this was Stephen, who was stoned to death for giving witness to his faith in Jesus Christ. And yes, it is true that the the blood of of martyrs has stained the church all throughout church history. You you can pick up a book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a classic bestseller written during the 1500s, story after story after story of people who were uh, killed for their faith in a variety of different ways who stayed true to the the gospel and didn't cave in to uh, pressures to worship something other than the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most famous martyrs who also happened to be the Bishop of Smyrna in the middle of the second century was a guy named Polycarp. You ever heard of of Polycarp in some of your uh, church history classes, perhaps? Well, Polycarp, by tradition came to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of John the Apostle, who was the exile on Patmos. When John was still ministering, probably around Ephesus and other places, um, he led Polycarp to Christ and discipled Polycarp. And Polycarp later became the bishop of Smyrna. And intense persecution came to the city, just like the letter said two centuries prior to this. And when that persecution came to Polycarp's door, Polycarp is famous for saying, Eighty and six years I have served him, that is Jesus, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And so what they did was they literally turned up the heat on Polycarp. And they said, fine, if you're not going to worship Caesar and you're going to worship your Jesus, then you will die. Uh, by burning at the stake, and that's when Polycarp said, you threaten me with the fire that burns for a time and is quickly quenched, for you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in the judgment to come and in everlasting punishment. Why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. Well, three cheers for Polycarp.
1: Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Letters from Heaven. We'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and the Return of Jesus Christ.
0: Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share Something Good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, Every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership
1: is essential in order for the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. It always has been. Today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll be happy to send you the complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now called Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and the Return of Jesus Christ. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: I I could take you to Washington, D.C. tomorrow and we could do a little touring around the city. I could take you to those places where our religious history is literally chiseled into stone. And those who are trying to kick God out of the public square and, 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 and move us away from such foundations, they would literally, friends, have to sandblast uh, the, the, the nation's capital and all of the monuments and the buildings because references to God and the Bible are all over that place. Amen. I'm not saying our founding fathers, every one of them were evangelical Christians, but they understood, did they not, that the republic by which upon which we stand is is for a moral and religious people. It doesn't work without that. That's why people are attacking the foundations. You can't overtake a country like the United States of America militarily. It'll never happen. We're too big, we're too bad, we're too strong. But if you attack the foundation, if you attack the religious principles, then from within you can get the country to crumble.
1: That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Letters from Heaven. Join us then for Something Good and for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.